Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30-minute review of news and opinion heard on the shortwave radio and the internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcast at home is quite easy. You just need a shortwave radio with a schedule of English language broadcast or a computer or smartphone with an internet connection. To help you with this, I'll announce times, frequencies, and website addresses at the conclusion of each series of stories. At the website for this show, that's outfarpress.com, you can listen to the past five shortwave reports, find advice for listening to shortwave at home, and find internet links for global news sources. Please check it out and tell a friend. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, Radio Havana, Cuba, and NHK World Radio Japan. We will begin with France 24. In the French press, there has been a controversial push to begin building new nuclear reactors. At the World Economic Forum in Davos, 200 millionaires signed an open letter to world leaders saying that the extreme wealth gap and growing poverty could be in part remedied by taxing the ultra-rich. France 24 Let's uh, come back to France now, where there's been a lot of talk about the future of nuclear energy. Yeah, the French Senate today is discussing this issue of what the future will look like for French nuclear energy, namely whether to build new reactors. And it's finally accelerating its pace, its push for new ones, according celebrates Le Figaro, which explains that a bill, uh, this bill will try to keep administrative roadblocks from slowing down uh, the construction of new nuclear reactors. Now, the Minister of uh, uh, Energy Transition tells the paper that, it is, that France is in a race and it doesn't have any minute to spare. Uh, now, the Communist Party is expected to vote for the text, uh, the Greens against it, but for the leftist paper L'Humanité, it reminds readers that France's aging reactors, well, they may become roadblocks uh, or a, way, a sort of wake-up call uh, over the burden that reactors become once they age. Tax us and tax us now. The plea of more than 200 millionaires in an open letter addressed to world leaders and other members of the global elite gathered in Davos. The current lack of action is gravely concerning. A meeting of the global elite in Davos to discuss cooperation in a fragmented world is pointless if you aren't challenging the root cause of division. Now is the time to tackle extreme wealth. Now is the time to tax the ultra-rich. The signatories include American actor Mark Ruffalo, Abigail and Tim Disney, a grandniece and nephew of the famed American producer, and Danish-Iranian entrepreneur Jafar Shalchi. While most come from the U.S. and the U.K., 13 countries are represented, including France. Still, French Finance Minister Bruno Le Maire saw the letter as an opportunity to brag about his country's tax system. They're welcome here. They'll have the right to one of the highest tax rates in any developed country. Let me remind you that if you're a millionaire in France, you have a marginal tax rate at 45%. So come to France. Believe me, we know how to tax you. But the so-called patriotic millionaires behind the letter would say that's not enough. In a report co-published with Oxfam and other groups, they note that a wealth tax ranging from 2 to 5 percent on the world's millionaires and billionaires would raise over $2.5 trillion annually. 
enough to lift over 2 billion people out of poverty and provide universal health care for all citizens of low- and middle-income countries. In France, such an additional tax would raise enough to plug the retirement deficit, making the government's controversial reform unnecessary. Those reports were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as a YouTube channel called France 24 English. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Also at Davos, the charity Oxfam presented a report called Survival of the Richest, explaining the shift in global wealth and the expansion of absolute poverty around the globe. A series of reports on the protests against coal mining in Lucerat, Germany. Over the weekend, over 35,000 citizens moved into the area, and after several days, police began chasing and beating them, sending scores to hospitals with serious injuries. Protests are also occurring in Davos, where Greta Thunberg and other activists spoke out against the fossil fuel expansion. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Extreme wealth and extreme poverty have grown simultaneously for the first time in the last 25 years. That's according to Oxfam. The charity's report, Survival of the Richest, is being presented at the World Economic Forum in Davos. It shows that around 830 million people, in other words, almost one in every 10, are facing hunger and starvation. But since 2020, $42 trillion worth of global wealth has been created. Nearly two-thirds of that has gone to the richest 1% of the world population. The remaining third was shared by the 99% at the bottom. The total wealth of the billionaires worldwide has increased by an average of $2.7 billion per day. Now, Charlotte Becker is the Advocacy and Campaign Director for Oxfam here in Germany. Charlotte, tell us, how did we get here? How is it that the rich are getting richer and the poor are increasing in number? Most important is that billionaires' fortunes have not increased because they are now smarter or working harder. Workers are working harder for less pay and in worse conditions. And that is because the economic system is rigged this way. There are multiple drivers for the vast inequality and rise in extreme poverty we can witness. First, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, um, there was already a deeply unequal world with public services that have been stripped. These services largely benefit poorer people and in particular women and girls. Second, the super rich were able to recover much faster from the initial shock of the pandemic back in March 2020. And right now, at least 1.7 billion workers live in countries where inflation is outpacing wages. Hundreds of millions of people are unable right. to afford the cost of living. And third, we witness a collapse of the taxation of the super rich, with only four cents in every dollar of tax revenue is from wealth taxes. And we need economies that work for everyone and not the privileged few. Now, you have called for a systematic wealth tax. You at Oxfam, I mean, how does that look like? Well, a wealth tax um, for, for the richest corporations and individuals is key to reduce inequality. Um, and there are multiple taxes that can be applied here. For example, a windfall tax on excessive profits, then a systematic um, wealth tax that can be implemented over the years. Um, so these are really important um, building blocks 
for a fairer taxation of the riches, closing loopholes also for corporations and um, profit shifting of these corporations. And then what's really important is that the revenues from these taxes are also invested in um, public services like healthcare or education. And one last thing here that I think is really important, tax cuts for the richest, as we have seen in the past, are tax cuts for men because they are the majority of the rich. Investments in public services, in turn, benefit women and girls as they are the more likely to work in these sectors and rely on these services more. Okay, so important to tax the men. I'm going to remember that. So you've timed the release of this report for the start of the World Economic Forum. Now, seeing that this is the gathering of the global elite, how receptive do you think they are to messages of wealth and windfall taxes? Yeah, for a few years now, inequality has made it onto the agenda of the World Economic Forum. But the question is, um, what are politicians doing about that? Not necessarily the wealthy, but really politicians, because it is their political decisions um, that they have to take here. And um, what are they doing about the broken tax system? What are they doing about gender inequality? What are they doing about soaring wealth and poverty? And are they willing to not only talk about it, but go ahead with bold decisions that benefit the 99% rather than the 1% at the top? We have seen billionaires also calling for higher taxation because they also find it utterly unfair that they are paying less than ordinary people who have a market stall or their secretaries. So I think there is an openness, but really it's politicians that have to take the decisions here. Thank you very much. Charlotte Becker of Oxfam Germany there for us. Here in Germany, police are pushing ahead with the clearing out of environmental activists from the area of a planned coal mine expansions. Thousands of people have descended on the village of Lützerath, which is set to be demolished so the German energy giant RWE can mine the lignite underneath it. A smaller group of protesters has been holed up in the town for days with police forcibly removing those who refused to leave. Climate protests turned into chaotic scenes as tensions over the future of the small German village reached boiling point. After days of evictions, officers clashed with activists, deploying water cannons, batons and pepper spray. Those protesting are adamant the village will not be cleared for the coal underneath it. It was extremely exhausting. We had to see a lot of police violence. People's lives were put at risk, but we know why we are here and it's worth standing up for this and enduring this aggression. Lützerath has become a symbol of Germany's climate change challenge. The government's given the green light for the expansion of coal mining in the area, saying it's vital for the country's energy needs. Protesters say that goes against Germany's own climate goals. Some activists remain holed up inside the abandoned village, barricading themselves in. German police estimated another 10,000 protesters descended on the area over the weekend. Organisers put the number at 35,000. Among them, Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg. How 
is this possible? In the year 2023, 20, how can we still be continuing down this path that we know leads us nowhere? How is that possible? How can we continue to sacrifice people just for these very, very few fortunate people to continue making unimaginable amounts of money? Hundreds of police officers have been working to clear Lutzerat using heavy machinery to help get the job done. But they're warning it could take weeks as protesters try every tactic possible to keep the town from being demolished. And for more, I'm joined now by our correspondent Leonie von Hammerstein in Lucerat. Leonie, what's the latest where you are on the police efforts to remove the activists? Well, I'm standing here in front of this little forest that you can see behind me where the last few remaining activists are holding out in tree houses um, up there. But some of them have climbed into the trees. We can see them from here. And a specialist um, height intervention team of the police is trying to get them out of there, is trying to cut away the trees around the tree houses in order to remove the last few remaining, less than 10 remaining activists here in Lützerath. Behind me is also where the underground tunnel is located, where two activists are still holding out and um, are trying to really stay as long as possible, make it as hard as possible for the police to evict them. Police have been uh, criticised for excessive uh, use of excessive force, including by Greta Thunberg. What more can you tell us about that? Yes, the activists I talked to this morning um, said, and we've seen some images on Twitter too circulating over media colleagues, um, that police have used excessive force. Um, reportedly, there have been dozens of injuries, some of them heavy injuries, head injuries. People had to be transported by ambulances. We also saw the ambulances. But police have said that it was a proportionate use of violence because protesters were coming into the village of Lützerath. So there's two opposing opinions. It will take some time to process what happened yesterday. Thank you very much. Now reporting from Lusrat, that's DW correspondent Leonie von Hammerstein. Swedish climate activist Greta Thunberg has accused global fossil energy firms of fueling the destruction of the planet. She was speaking at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. Thunberg presented a letter she and other activists had written to energy companies demanding they stop exploitation of fossil fuel reserves. I do want to end this. DW caught up with Luisa Neibauer, Germany's most well-known climate activist at Davos, and asked her what they were hoping to achieve at the forum. Here in Davos, um, some of the um, most polluting industries of all are meeting and their investors. And uh, someone needs to spread the message that the fossil fuel era needs to come to an end and the future belongs to renewables. And um, that message is certainly not coming from those people. So we are here instead. A lot of talk about getting to net zero. Do you think that world leaders and business leaders will actually deliver? I think um, world leaders and business leaders are doing a very good job here um, demonstrating that they know their climate change vocabulary very well by now. Um, congrats. Um, but climate justice isn't about nice words and uh, the green rhetoric. It's about substantial change and ending the um, fossil fuel expansion. And if we look at the business plans of the, the big fossil fuel industries around the world, all of them, most 
all, almost all of them plan to expand. So um, clearly, they are not drawing the line here when it comes to destruction. They are not clearly not planning to stick to uh, climate targets. So someone else will need to stop them. Lisa Neubauer, thank you so much. Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website, DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. On to Radio Havana, Cuba. In Peru, despite a declared state of emergency, the protests demanding a fresh election continue to grow. Over 100,000 Israelis marched in major cities in opposition to Netanyahu and the far-right power hold in the country. The UK is rewriting laws which will allow police to stop protests before they get started and using guerrilla tactics like glue. In Brazil, the former Minister of Justice under Bolsonaro was arrested upon his return from Florida, where he went with the former president, Radio Havana, Cuba. Thousands of Peruvians from the Aymara and Quechua communities, as well as from social and union organizations, have converged on Lima from different provinces as part of the second edition of the March of the Four Regions, or Cuatros Suyos. They demand the resignation of President Dina Boluarte, the closure of Congress, the holding of a constituent assembly, and the release of former President Pedro Castillo, who was accused of rebellion and removed by Congress on December the 7th. Since then, there has been mass protests in different regions. Security forces have repressed them with violence, leaving 50 citizens dead and hundreds of people injured and detained. The first march of the Cuatro Suyos occurred in the year 2000, when thousands of people gathered in Lima to protest against the fraudulent third re-election of Alberto Fujimori. Since December the 7th, 50 people have been killed during the massive mobilizations that demand an immediate change in the Peruvian political system. Over 100,000 Israelis marched in central Tel Aviv and in two other major cities on Saturday night, protesting far-right-wing Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's plan to overhaul the legal system and weaken the Supreme Court, undermining democratic rule just weeks after his election. Despite cold, rainy weather, marchers, many covered with umbrellas, held Israeli flags and placards saying, Criminal government, the end of democracy, and we are preserving our shared home. Netanyahu was guilty of a legal pooch, read another. Critics say Netanyahu's would cripple judicial independence, foster corruption, set back minority rights, and deprive Israel's court system of credibility. Netanyahu and his ultra-nationalist security minister, Itamar Ben-Gvir, ordered police to take tough action if protesters displayed Palestinian flags at Saturday's protest. Social media footage shows a number of Palestinian flags on display in defiance of Netanyahu. Quote, elections do not give anyone the power to destroy democracy itself, said former Justice Minister Zipi Livni as she addressed the protests in Tel Aviv, adding that Israel's far-right government is, quote, carrying out a political takeover of the country and waging a war against its democratic institutions.
quote, continues, spilled poison, lies, slandering one's brother, marking as an enemy anyone who thinks differently. They're doing everything so that we crumble from the inside and weaken as a society before the big attack, she said. Quote, we will stop you and we will not compromise because democracy in Israel, our freedom and our rights are not political trade, Livni said. They can call us traitors, but we're the ones who protect the motherland from them. They can threaten handcuffs. We are not afraid, she said. The United Kingdom government plans to revise the law to give police more powers to crack down on protests after demonstrations that have seen people blocking roads or marching slowly. The amendments to the Public Order Bill will broaden the legal definition of, quote, serious disruption, giving police greater flexibility and, quote, absolute clarity over when they can intervene in a protest. Police have already been given additional powers to prevent protests from using, quote, guerrilla tactics. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said in a statement, quote, the right to protest is a fundamental principle of our democracy, but this is not absolute. We cannot have protests conducted by a small minority disrupting the lives of the ordinary public. It's not acceptable and we're going to bring it to an end. The moves against the right to protest follow a series of demonstrations, mostly by activists who have adopted more aggressive tactics to push the government into doing more about climate change and they have blocked the M25, the London Orbital Motorway, that is the busiest road in the country and closed down parts of the capital. Under the proposed changes, police in the UK will be able to close down protests before they even happen and will be allowed to consider the total impact of a series of protests rather than handling them individually. The Public Order Bill is currently in the final stages of debate in Parliament and has faced strong criticism from rights groups who say it gives the police too much power. The bill includes a new criminal offence for those who try to lock themselves to objects or buildings and allow courts to restrict the freedoms of protesters if they are thought to be likely to cause, quote, serious disruption. The former Minister of Justice during the government of former President Jair Bolsonaro, Anderson Torres, he was arrested by the Federal Police on Saturday morning after arriving in Brasilia on a flight from Florida on Saturday. His arrest was decreed earlier this week by Minister Alexandre de Moraes of the Federal Supreme Court, and this at the request of the Federal Police. Judge Moraes said that there are indications that there may have been omission and connivance of the security authorities of Brasilia's federal district with the Bolsonarista invaders. Torres, who was head of the federal police and held the position of Secretary of Public Security of the federal district at the time of the attacks on the headquarters of the three branches of the Brazilian state, denied having anything to do with last Sunday's actions. But last Tuesday, the federal police seized a draft in Anderson Torres's house that would decree a state of emergency in the Superior Electoral Court, the TSE, to change the results of the 2022 elections won by the current president, Luis Inácio Lula da Silva. Torres took over as Public Security Secretary of Brasilia on January the 2nd, and five days later went on, quote, a vacation in the United States, this in order not to be in the country at the time of the attacks by far-right radicals. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at radiohc.cu.
On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15140, and from 5 p.m. to 11 at either 6060 or 6165. All the times I'm announcing are for Pacific Standard Time. On their website, you can stream the English version at noon on Monday through Friday at Pacific Standard Time. If you have questions or comments about the shortwave report or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal or by writing to Dan Roberts at P.O. Box 1162, Willits, California, 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet like a repeat supporter in Northumberland, UK, did this week. Many, many thanks. We will conclude with NHK World Radio Japan. China accused the U.S. and Japan of hyping up the nuclear threat from China. The governor of Fukushima is on a public relations tour of the United States as preparations are finalized to release radioactively contaminated wastewater into the Pacific Ocean. Putin spoke by phone to Erdogan of Turkey, who wants to mediate peace talks with Ukraine. NHK Japan China has reacted sharply after the leaders of Japan and the United States agreed at their summit last week to oppose any attempts to unilaterally change the status quo by force in the East and South China Seas. Japan's Prime Minister Kishida Fumio and U.S. President Joe Biden stressed the importance of maintaining peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait and encouraging the peaceful resolution of issues in the region. The Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson said Beijing rejects the Japan-U.S. joint statement and accused it of hyping up the purported nuclear threat from China. The ugly playbook jointly used by Japan and the U.S. to tarnish China's image interfere in China's internal affairs. He urged Tokyo and Washington to abandon the Cold War mentality and block confrontation. The spokesperson also said he hopes Japan and the U.S. will step up to their role in upholding regional and international peace and stability. The governor of Fukushima in northeastern Japan is on a promotional tour of the United States. He's reassuring consumers about the safety of food from his prefecture, where treated water from a crippled nuclear plant will soon be released into the ocean. Uchibori Masao handed out cooked rice at a supermarket in Los Angeles. Many fishers and farmers in Japan have suffered reputational damage in the years since the March 2011 earthquake, tsunami, and nuclear disaster. The U.S. government lifted import restrictions on food items from Fukushima and 13 other prefectures in 2021. Japanese authorities plan to start releasing treated water from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant this year. Officials plan to first dilute it well within safety standards. Russian President Vladimir Putin spoke by phone with his Turkish counterpart Recep Tayyip Erdogan. The Turkish presidential office said Erdogan expressed his readiness to mediate possible future peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. 
Russia's presidential office says during the phone call, Putin emphasized what he termed the Kiev regime's destructive policy of continuing to intensify the hostilities with the support of its Western sponsors. Ukraine's defense minister Alexei Reznikov told NHK in Kyiv earlier this month that the Russians already knew that their special military operation has failed. Reznikov stressed that Ukraine won't budge on its stance that Russian troops must fully withdraw from Ukrainian territory. Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan, now heard from 8.30 to 9 p.m. at 9.865, or on the web at www.3.nhk.or.jp and at most podcast sites. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcasts, get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with a podcast link and get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.